it's definitely been a wild ride, especially like, you know, I'm only just coming back from an injury too. So I didn't expect my first match back to be against Edge, like a Hall of Famer in, in the main event of, of such a historic venue. But I always said that whatever the opportunity is, I'll be ready to go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, and this week on the show, this week on Out of Character, we've got Grayson Waller, recent addition to SmackDown. Uh, but when I say out of character, uh, it's it's interesting because I think his real his his real self is very true to his character, which he's going to get into in this episode, but I promise you, it is out of character. It is out of character. This is not in character. Uh, it's just, he's definitely a real life character. So I think you guys are gonna enjoy this episode. And before we get to it, just gotta do a tiny bit of housekeeping. Make sure you're following WWE on Fox, on social media to stay up to date with everything that we've got going on here. Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and of course, everyone's new favorite app, Threads. Make sure you're following WWE on Fox. Follow me on Threads as well if you're not. And if you're watching the video version of this show, I just want to say I appreciate you very much for doing that. I put the work in. We put the work in to make it look good here. Uh, But if you're not watching there, no one's seen it. So I'm glad you're on YouTube. But also, if you're watching on YouTube, just do me a a little, little favor. Pick up your phone and subscribe to the Out of Character podcast feed as well. That way, if you miss any of these episodes you'll be covered on your little handy cell phone. So do do me a favor and do that. I appreciate it very much. And if you feel inclined, leave a rating or a review as well. All right, got all that out of the way. Let's get to what you came here for, my conversation with Grayson Waller. Grayson Waller, welcome to Add a Character. I appreciate you doing this very much. How's your day going so far? Man, I've got to be honest, life is good. Things are wild right now for me, but I know... You know, things have been a little bit off for you, and I thought, man, I think Ryan needs to break some wall of rub, and here I am to help you out. What a good bloke I am. I'd actually say life's great for me right now. I just got married. I'm going on my honeymoon in a couple of days. I'm, I'm chilling right now. That's exciting, and, like, I've, I've seen you on, on Twitter and stuff, man. You're, you're punching above your weight, lad. Like, you're, you're playing a different sport, so you must be funny or something because it's not your head. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely the personality. Absolutely. De- I-, I wouldn't say it's my good looks. Okay, well, if you have any advice for me, like I'm, I'm really struggling in America having an Australian accent. It's been really tough, so um, still looking for a green card. So if you have some advice, let me know. I feel like, man, having an Australian accent in America is like the best thing you could have for getting girls. It's like having a, a cheat code in GTA, like all weapons on. You know, up, up, down, down, whatever that, that thing back in the day on GTA was, like, I pretty much have that. <laughs> well, before I get too far ahead of us, I want to ask you what I ask everyone else when I start off this show, and that's how much of your real true self is there in the character that you play on TV? <laughs> I, I think if you ask anyone that knows me, they, they would say that there, there's almost no difference. Uh, I don't particularly think that I play anything. I think this is, is really just me. Um, but obviously, when the, the red light comes on, um, it's a little bit amped up. But I don't think there's there's much difference at all. Have you always been this confident in yourself? Definitely not always. You know, obviously, growing up and things like that, like I, I was similar to everyone. But, uh, 
you know, once I started getting into wrestling and, and that type of thing, I think once I realized I was good at it too, that kind of changed things up for me. Yeah, I watched a video series on your early days in wrestling. And one thing that stood out to me was just like how it, it seemed like the same person, but just so driven to get to the point where you are now. And so, or maybe even beyond that, world champion. And so um, it was cool to me to see how you've kind of had this passion within you since your first day in wrestling. So I know the, the documentaries you're talking about, and I, I actually put them out at the time. Australian wrestling, it can be hard to kind of get your name out there, and, and that was one way that I thought I could do it. And I wanted that to be as real as possible, you know, kind of follow that like UFC embedded style kind of thing and actually show what it's like being a professional wrestler. And uh, it's funny to look back on. I, I, there was a clip in one of those where I said, in two years, look back, and I'm going to be the biggest thing in Australian wrestling. And two years later, almost to the day, I got signed. So when I went back to Australia in December, I stood in the same place and I said, in two years' time, you're going to look back and I'm going to be the biggest thing in all of wrestling. And uh, the way things are going right now, I, I, I feel that's going to be manifested. Well, it is, man, I have thought you've had what it takes to be a top star in WWE since you first started in NXT. I was like, this guy is someone to watch out for. And since you've been called up to the main roster, it's only been more evident that you just have what it takes to be a star in WWE. And, and all the right things are happening along the way. I mean, I can't imagine the high you're on after wrestling Edge in the main event of SmackDown inside of Madison Square Garden in your debut match. So technically, if you ask a trivia question, who was the main event of the highest grossing WWE event in Madison Square Garden history? The answer is Grace Mauler right now. Who made a better show? I did. So it, it, it's definitely been a wild ride, especially like, you know, I'm, I'm only just coming back from an injury too. So I didn't expect my first match back to be against Edge, like a Hall of Famer in, in the main event of, of such a historic venue. But I always said that whatever the opportunity is, I'll be ready to go. And, and I made sure I was ready to go last week. Did he say anything to you after the match as well? Besides what we saw on camera? You know, I, I think the main thing is he, he said to enjoy it because I think a lot of times we get caught up in what this is and sometimes you're looking back on what you did rather than staying in the moment. And I thought that was really strong advice. There was a few moments there during the match where I kind of just stopped and looked out. And especially as an Australian, like we don't get these opportunities very often. I think as an American uh, performer, like the, there's an easier way. So I kind of felt very lucky being where I'm from, and, and, and I kind of enjoyed that moment for, for everyone back home who, who's been supporting me and things like that. I, yeah, I have so much respect for people who come from a, another state, but even more respect for someone who comes from another country to try and pursue entertainment out here. Because, like, I'm in California. I have a cheat code. Like, there's auditions happening every day here mm -hmm. if, I, if I really wanted that opportunity. But for someone like you who's had to come from Australia and put it all on the line, take huge risks and come out here. I find it so commendable. Yeah, and I've, I've got to say, you know, there were a few people who kicked down some of the doors that were, were, were put up for us. You know, I think uh, obviously Emma, the Iconics, Rhea Ripley, like all those girls coming over here and doing so much, Buddy Murphy as well. Like they were the first ones to show the talent that Australia has because I think Australia has had the best wrestlers in the world for a long time. It's just no one got to see them. But now you look at the entire wrestling industry and all of a sudden we're taking over all over the place. So uh, unfortunately, it's a lot of right place, right time being noticed. Uh, but I made sure down there that I did whatever it took to, to get the right eyes on me. And uh, now we're seeing like the, the, the payoff of that.
So I want to get into more of you on SmackDown. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to your call-up and stuff. Um, but for people watching this and for people like me who maybe don't know you'll, you as the person, uh, when did wrestling enter the picture in your life as a fan? It was very early on for me. Like my, my earliest memories uh, was WCW. That was what we had at the time on TV. So the whole NWO, Sting, all that type of thing. And that just like opened a path where eventually – I was watching the Attitude Era, and then from then on, it was like, I think a lot of people who are wrestling fans have that moment where their friends start disappearing from wrestling as they grow up, and I was the one who was kind of stuck straight on it. So I've always been a, a, a huge fan um, from, from very early on. Did you gravitate to the heels back then? It, it's funny looking back now because it, everything makes a lot more sense because my taste in, in performer as I, I grew up, kind of changed. Like, my favorites early on, like, Sean was number one for me early. Uh, after that, it was, like, AJ Styles, and it was those those guys with the, the crazy move sets and, and, and that type of thing. And then as I got older, I kind of responded more to the people who, who were deemed the villains. But in my, in my mind, I think they were the good ones. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and that's kind of what I gravitated to. So I kind of went from someone who, who appreciated, like, a work rate style to someone who appreciated uh, more villainous sides of characters. I, when I was watching that that documentary thing they did on you, I was I was impressed at how even then you got the you got it that rather than trying to copy or emulate what you see other people doing on social media, trying to copy a certain move or whatever, you were looking towards other avenues for inspiration like boxing or MMA. And I can see how I feel like you have definitely drifted away from like the the move guy, even though you do cool moves and stuff. To definitely someone who's trying to connect on a on a real level with people. Yeah, I, as a wrestler, especially now, there's thousands of wrestlers. It, it's difficult to stand out, and I don't want anyone to ever look at me as just being someone else. Like I know people online hate my gear. They hate my gear. I love it because no one else is wearing what I wear. I stand out completely. Same with my moves. Like. Stone Cold did a great stunner. Kevin Owens does a great stunner, but they never did the stunner like I do it. Uh, my, my aim is to always stand out as much as possible, be as unique as possible so that you limit the comparisons. Because I, I think in wrestling today, you have a lot of stupid fans who don't have any intelligence and all they do is just compare. Oh, you're like this, you're like this. And I'm pretty sure I'm, 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 I'm the unique Grayson Waller. Are you, are you referring to the fact that people say you're like a new Miz? New Miz, New Theory, New Cody Rhodes, you, you, you name the, the white guy in WWE, apparently I'm the same. I'm LA Knight too, uh, I'm all these people. And I think it's just because I'm very confident when I speak and, and people are just like, it's just such a simple, easy thing to, to do a comparison rather than look at the uniqueness of, of all of us as talent. I, the confidence when you speak is definitely the thing that sets you apart from others and, and some of those other guys that you mentioned, well, like an LA Knight or, or some of the other people and, I, and Miz too, of like, it's just confidence in what you're doing and, and that's what has always impressed me about you is that there's clearly a confidence there when you speak and, and not everybody has that. No, and, and the, the thing is, it's obviously I think it is very Australian to have this type of banter where... You're always going back and forth with your mates. Like my mates say the most horrendous things that exist to me to my face and behind my back, they'll say the nice things. So it's, it's always been a thing growing up where I've been very quick witted just because you need to be quick witted in Australia to survive. And it's something I've carried over, but also 
I put as much effort into my talking as I do the wrestling side of it. I think a lot of people get focused on the ring and the moves and, and things like that where I'm just as focused on the, the entertainment side and, and, and talking and being creative and that type of thing. I think that that is what's going to help you stand apart. And for me personally, I had a broken leg on SmackDown and I was on TV every week. And there's not many people who can say they had a severe injury and were on TV more than when they were ready to go. Absolutely, dude. I mean, the fact that that was happening is, is crazy. And I think that it 100% speaks to what you were saying there of just like the, the you're, you're someone who people want to watch. That's the real bottom, bottom line of it. Like your show is something that feels fresh right now, even though there's been other talk shows in the past. And it really is because of you and the way that you present yourself. Yeah, I, I couldn't care less if people love me or hate me. Like the opinions of the fans mean nothing to me. It's like I, I only care about one person's opinion and that's that's my opinion realistically. But whether you like me or hate me, I'm going to make sure that you want to watch me. And whether that means you want to watch me beat someone or you want to watch someone beat me up, that's all good with me because you're still buying the ticket to come to the show. I was talking to Champa recently on the podcast and he was talking about how, you know, he just kind of tries to take advantage of social media too and like post a video of him doing a promo that he found interesting and then that promo made it onto TV and I felt like you're, you're doing a great job of doing that as well, of just like even when Madison Square Garden, the video you made of, on TikTok where you're like going through the subway and making fun of people along the way, I don't think people do that enough to where they want to build the character side as well and make people actually want to see them get beat up. No, a, a lot of people say, you know, they'll, they'll go on, uh, I work the hardest, I'm the hardest worker in the room, but then you never see any content of them online unless it's something they share from WWE. So I don't think that's actually, you know, working hard. I'll give you an example of something that there was a NXT show last year, I think it was the Worlds Collide show, um, and I wasn't on the show. It is what it is. Um, but we have promo class at the PC, and and, and I had a an idea. Basically, it was a, a thing that I wanted to talk about, how my mum was really upset with what I said to Apollo Crews. And then at the end, I tell her to kiss my ass. So I did it. And then all of a sudden, two days later, I'm on on the show saying that exact thing, word for word. So you put in those little bits of effort. You show you want to be part of the show. You show you care. And, and I think you get rewarded. Yep, yep. And you you have been putting in the work. I mean, I saw it in that video. You're, you're working, even back then, as hard behind the scenes as you are now, probably doing more so now because of the insane schedule you have and the training that you have around you. But I do think that, yeah, I mean, the people who are putting in the work are gonna, are definitely gonna move ahead of the others. And I think it's very clear that you're gonna be moving ahead of people uh, in a short amount of time. Uh, and I think so too. And even if you look at like NXT, there's a lot of talented people in NXT. And I know when 2.0 started, Grayson Waller wasn't the face of that, but, I let my hard work do the talk, and when it comes time to, to the first draft since 2.0 started, Grayson Waller was the name getting called. Uh, so I think my work speaks for itself. I actually, I was very happy when that happened as well, because when 2.0 started, you were one of the guys who I said to a friend of mine, like, that guy's going to get called up ASAP. And they were like, no, this other person who I don't want to put down, this other person's going to yeah. get called up. And I was like, you're crazy, dude. This guy... Is, this Grayson Waller guy is money, and sure enough, right away, as soon as you could, get called up. Yeah, I watched the, the first episode of 2.0 the other day. Uh, myself and my longtime tag team partner, Drake Maverick, taken on Imperium. Didn't go too well for me, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but I think there's just a lot that goes into, you know, 
going out with John Cena in front of that many people and being comfortable doing that, that's not an easy thing. And I think some people would have uh, melted under that pressure, but I want that. I want to, I want to feel that, that nerve as much as I can before going out and doing those things. Do you think that nerve is what drives you to be great once you're in there, kind of feed off that energy? I love it because I always say if I'm not nervous beforehand, that's the day I don't care anymore. Uh, I, the, the 10 minutes before you go out are the worst 10 minutes in wrestling. I hate it. But then once the music hits, like that's the dream. That's why I do it. I work so hard for that moment. Um, that's, that's what I drive for. When the switch to NXT 2.0 happened, I think some fans were a little like, oh, but we like the way NXT was before. But I imagine for someone like you who was just, you know, dying for an opportunity, I, I can imagine it was something that, that fired you up at the time. I, for me, I got very lucky with 2.0 coming on because the way NXT ran in the past, you weren't going to see Grace Mauler on TV for years just because that's how the system was working at the time. Uh, and I was like, I was on 205 Live doing things on that, which was fun. I was going to have matches every week, which is, it's always great to have reps. But when 2.0 kind of came in and there was a shift from strictly in-ring work to more entertainment and character workers too, that was perfect for me. I was like, give, give, me, give me a shot. And I, I still remember I wrestled Roderick Strong for the Cruiserweight Championship very early on. And I came backstage and, and Sean was there, who obviously have a little history with now. And I, I said to Sean to his face, like, give me the ball. If you give me the ball, I will run with it and I'll give you exactly what you need, which is a very ballsy thing for someone to say to Sean Michaels. You know what I mean? And I was kind of in the moment after Roderick Strong slapped me for, for, for 20 minutes. Um, but he gave me the ball. And I think we all saw what I did with it. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and the fact that you got the ball from a guy who inspired you to even join, you know, to get into wrestling in itself, that's got to be a dream come true. It, the whole situation is wild. And I know, you know, lately everyone's kind of seen me and Sean button heads and that type of thing, but he's obviously someone I still very much respect though. And he's done so much in this business and he's the reason NXT is so good. A lot of people want to say whatever online, but Sean, wants to put out the best product possible. He didn't have to be the head guy there. He could have gone to his ranch and, and moved on with his life, but he, he wanted to come in and he wanted to help the next generation, which I very much respect. Um, and even getting to be in the ring with him. You know, not many people can say they, they've been in the ring with Shawn Michaels, especially now, but I, I can tick that off my bucket list. Yeah, I, dude, with the way things that were going, the way things were going for you at the time, you know, the, the, you're doing the war games, you have your stuff with Johnny, AJ, a piece of me thought you were about to wrestle Shawn Michaels for a second. I was trying. I said some really <laughs> horrible things to Shawn Michaels. I really dug into my bag and I thought, there's no bigger viral moment than bringing Shawn Michaels out of retirement. So I, I, I went as hard as I could, but uh, unfortunately, Shawn didn't want the smoke and he had to bring in uh, his little mate, Johnny Gargano, to come and do his dirty work. Does it bother you at all that you never won a title in NXT? Like, yes and no. But I, I don't put my value on a on a championship because I think some people need championships. Um, I don't think I do. You know, if you look back at my career, some people might say I was unsuccessful in NXT. But I would say the opposite. I was the first guy to, to bring in that main roster star and, and wrestle AJ Styles. I was on main event after main event. I was on every show. The Grayson Waller effect took over the talk show. I, I didn't need the championship. I think I went more viral without it. Yeah, I, I, and, and, I, and if you look, there's a lot of people who have been very successful in WWE that didn't win a title 
while they were in NXT. Like, you know, Roman Reigns was never NXT champion, and he's doing just fine. Yeah, definitely. And, like, I could look at it in a negative way and be like, oh, I wish I won the championship and things like that, but that's okay because I've got bigger things to come. Uh, when I when I think of Grayson Waller with a championship around his waist, it, it, it ain't gold. It ain't an NXT title. It's a WWE title. Would you say that uh... – would you say that, because you said that some people, you, you actually get that from some people? So you think that some people think that your time in NXT was a failure because you didn't win a title? I think 100% people, and even people in the Performance Center think that, because the, there's a lot of people in the Performance Center now who don't understand wrestling at all. Um, so they look at who the champ is and they think, oh, he or she has the belt, they're the best. But the real ones know that ain't true. Yeah. The real ones know that some people need a championship and some people are, are good without it. And I was main eventing, I think, Stand and Deliver with Johnny Gargano, that we were the main event. We didn't need a championship because he hated me and I hated him and we wanted to beat each other up. And I think that was the match that most people were looking forward to. And I think that you're one of the people that wrestling fans were tuning into the show for. I think that's, that's very much a fact. That's the Grayson Waller effect. You know, <laughs> you, you might not like me, but you're still going to tune in and watch what I'm going to do because you never know what I'm going to say. You never know what I'm going to do. I'm always pushing that line like, I walk that line. It's 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 thread thin. I got to be careful sometimes, and sometimes I've crossed it, and I come come backstage, and there there's some unhappy people, but that's okay because sometimes you have to push it a little bit. The it's funny you talked about the Australian thing and busting people's balls. I was thinking like I should have grown up in Australia. I I wish I could because I do that with people, and then I find out after they're like, oh, that person thinks you're mean, and I'm like, wait, no, I just yeah. do that with my family. That's just like what we yeah. do with each other. Americans have zero banter. They do not understand banter. It's horrible. I, I had the other week I was traveling with Pretty Deadly and we went to, to get our rent a car and, and we were asking the guy about food late at night and he said something where he was like, oh, I go to the gym a lot so there's a taco it. And I went, oh, we can tell. Thinking I was, you know, being a bit funny. Whatever. He did not like it. He completely shut down, just kind of gave us the keys and left. And I was like, I forget. Americans don't have any humor. <laughs> You're not, you're not wrong. Well, most of them don't. There's, there's, there's some of us out there that can appreciate the banter for sure. I love it. All three of you are, are, are great. <laughs> yes, yes. The, the, the few people who can appreciate a joke. Yeah, I, it's, it's, people are so sensitive these days out there. I mean, like, I understand, I understand people wanting to be nicer in the world, but like, sometimes, like, people take jokes way too seriously. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it makes my job easier, though, because I, I'm, I'm not too stressed what people think of me, you know? I'm always, I'm always going to be honest, that's for sure. You're not stressed at all, ever, about what people think of you at all? No, not at all. Because I, I don't put the value in myself on what someone else thinks, unless there's someone important, you know? If there's, there's some important people backstage, my coaches at NXT, I care what they think. I don't care what some flop off the street who's never done anything does. You know, that doesn't, I don't let that into my psyche at all. I'm so jealous. I wish I could get better at that. It's hard to, to not take some things seriously. And even if I know that the person on the other side of the computer is an absolute loser, it's hard. But I, I, I see, I find that funny when I read these things because I kind of picture it in my head. You know, the 400 pound bloke, he's real sweaty. You can hear him breathing, which is always a telltale sign. And I'm just like, oh man, you're like my, you had to take time out of your day to do that to me, man. You know, that's, I feel, I almost feel bad for them. Fair, fair. Uh, you've talked about your broken leg. Um, 
That's the fact that you wrestled on it is insane to me. Uh, what was that recovery like? You know, it was it was wild because there was a whole wild time with the draft coming up. Like you don't know whether you're going to get drafted or not, but I thought there was a, a good chance maybe I could. So I'm wrestling Mello, who I hold in very high esteem. Carmelo Hayes is as good as it gets, and and we were having a little banger, and I did the elbow through the announce table, and I felt I felt like a burn in my leg. But I didn't think too much of it. I wanted to win the match. So I threw him in. I pinned him. Everything was almost NXT champion. Uh, and then I tried to do the rolling stunner from the outside. And when I jumped, it was the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. Like, my leg wasn't there, which I think people – a lot of people thought I broke my leg on that. But my leg was already broken, and I'm the idiot who tried to jump on it. Um, and that was a lot of pain. Um, the match was over, and I basically – went backstage in the medical and it was a very emotional moment because I've just had this fight with Camilla Hayes for the championship and lost. So I'm emotional about that. And then I'm looking at my draft stock completely disappearing and maybe I'm not getting drafted now. And there was so much going on at the moment and it was just, it was very stressful. And then when the doctor said I had a broken leg, I was, I was crushed, but apparently a broken leg is actually the best thing that could have happened, which is kind of crazy to think about. I didn't know that. Um, the recovery time was a little bit shorter. Uh, but the next day, I, I went to the gym. I was in the gym every single day. Uh, I used it as, as a motivation. Uh, but the, the rehab was rough. It wasn't fun. I wouldn't like to go through that again. But it kind of gave me some perspective on how much I love being in the ring and how much I love what I do. And I wasn't going to let the injury hold me back. If anything, I was going to make sure that when I came back, I was better than ever. That's crazy. So the broken leg was actually a, a godsend to you then that it wasn't worse. That's, that's wild. In, in, in some ways, yes, but I think that's – I had – I kind of had the choice to go two ways, and I, and I chose to use it as a positive. Um, I remember the first person to come into medical was actually Shawn Michaels, um, and I cut I, – I, probably the best promo of my life when he came back because I had so many emotions going. I, I just let everything out at once. I wish someone filmed it. But once I did that, I felt much better, and I kind of was just like – I'm a big David Goggins fan. If you've ever read David Goggins' book, you know he did SEAL Team training with a with a broken leg, and I was like, "This is this is nothing. I can I can get through this." So, I put on almost 10 pounds of muscle since since that happened. I feel like I'm actually at my best right now, and it kind of worked out with with the draft as well because then I started doing the Grayson Waller effect. Um, got to kind of introduce myself to the world without performing in the ring yet. So it might have been a blessing in disguise. So the call-up was a genuine surprise then? 100%. I, that, those two draft nights were hands down like two of the hardest nights of my life. I think if everyone's seen my reaction on that when I did get drafted, usually everyone's crying and happy and like, oh my gosh. And I, I wasn't. I was, uh, I was frustrated that I was picked last. Um, we, I think the first draft night was SmackDown and they asked me to come in and, and I'm assuming – I broke my leg like not long ago. I'm in pain. I'm, I'm on crutches. I have a moon boot that I – I'm like, if they're going to bring me, then I'm, I'm going to get drafted. And I sat there for three, four hours, however long it was, and my name didn't get called, and I was frustrated. And obviously all the names that did get picked deserved it. I got to sit there with Indy Hartwell, and hearing her name as an Australian, that, that made me very, very happy. But then I go to Raw a few days later. I'm still in as much pain, and I had to sit through the whole show, and my name doesn't get called. And I was, I was hot. I was frustrated. I felt like I was good enough, even with a broken leg, to get to get drafted. And I was kind of looking like, what what are they doing? They're missing the boat here. 
Um, and then obviously I ended up being the last pick and I kind of used that as a chip on my shoulder. Uh, maybe it's not a chip that exists, but I work best when uh, I feel like I'm up against a wall and uh, I use that. And if anyone sees the interview that I gave straight after, that is a completely real Grayson Waller right there saying how I feel. I I use the last pick as like a, a motivation to show show the world that they were wrong. Yeah, I love that video when you got drafted because normally in those videos, it's like real like emotional or teary-eyed or, you know, all these things. And you were just like... I, like you were just in it, you know, you were just in it, still doing your thing and just clearly fired up from what was going on. Definitely because it's everyone's dream to go to the main roster and it's my dream, but also I felt that I should be drafted. I felt I'd done so much in NXT and especially the last few months, I kind of proven myself to show what I can do. So when they called my name, I was, I was ready to go. If they needed me to have a match that night, I would have, even though my leg was hurt. And, you know, and it just, it was just a strange vibe. Um, it's not what I expected to happen when I got drafted, uh, but it is what it is. I, it must have felt reassuring once you came onto the main roster and you got to start doing the Grayson Waller effect. Uh, it, it had to have been reassuring that they started putting these big names, high-profile names, on the show because it really did start the show off. Uh, you know, the, your talk show that you have there. It started off on the right foot. Sometimes there's been a lot of like talk shows that are hit or miss, that don't come back, that they try or fail. But I feel like putting these big names on right away for these first few weeks have really made the show feel like a new part of SmackDown. Very, uh, very much so, and I think it legitimized me too. You know, being in there with AJ, Oscar, uh, Charlotte Flair, like these are the biggest names in the company. And- People didn't know I was hurt at the time. So, like, the first one I did with AJ, I had I still had to wear my boot. So, I'm hiding behind the table. People still didn't know. Um, but just being a, being across from them, I think, legitimizes me because they're, they're kind of showing that, that I'm on the same level that they are. And getting to be in there with those, those kind of stars, like, I'm learning the whole time, too. I'm sitting back. I'm watching how they perform. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on everything, and I'm making sure that, that uh, I'm getting as much as I can from the experience being in there with them. In a world where so many things leak, I'm surprised it it didn't leak for so long. It didn't even get reported on until I think you said it that you broke your leg. This is why anyone who gets their news, no offense, Ryan, because I know you like breaking news. No like, former you're, news guy, so go ahead. I don't break news once anymore. A news guy, once a news guy, always a news guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it always makes me laugh because now being on the other side, I see that None of it is real. And I remember I saw something that said, Grayson Waller is definitely not hurt, not hurt at all. This is just the way that I was just like, I'm just sitting there laughing like these guys have no idea. And eventually, like when I knew I was starting to come back and I, I was going to get cleared, I was like, I'm just going to put it all out there and, and, and reveal it myself. Because I, I like to keep my personal life personal. I'm not that type of person who's going to share my real life online. So I wasn't going to be the person like, taking the photos in the boot at the gym or anything like that. I'm just going to be the guy. I'll do it in quiet. And then when I'm back, you're going to know. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. It's funny that you say that about once you got there, learning, realizing that they're all there. A lot of, they're very wrong. A lot of the time. I only recently got to go backstage for the first couple of times because of this job. And that was my first thought when I was back there, you know, one or two times, it was like, Oh, this is like nothing like any of the people who report on this, make it seem myself included when I was doing it. I love it because I can mess with it so easy. I, if I want something to be in, in, a, like, in one of these, these wrestling news headlines, 
I can make it happen. And it just makes me laugh so much how easily manipulated they are. And if they do say something that's wrong, they never get called out in any way. So I'm like, we may as well have some fun with it. I, I think, who was it? Indy, Indy uh, commented underneath the video going, oh, I thought Grayson Waller wasn't hurt at all, which, <laughs> which made me laugh a lot. Because we, we all sit backstage and laugh. Like, no one takes it to heart. It's just a bunch of, you know, unathletic flops wishing they were doing what we're doing. I... It's funny that you say that, yeah, because I just, yeah, so much where I'm like, yeah, what were they, like, where did that even come from, or what, what, what was the thought process behind that, and then I look at it and I go, well, people say kayfabe isn't alive anymore, isn't, isn't still there, but they, I, I completely disagree, because there's things like that, like you said, where it's just evolved, and, you know, it's so easy to manipulate the masses in wrestling, and that's still kayfabe to a certain degree. It's a beautiful thing. If, if you're intelligent enough, you can play with it. Like, it's not like no one knew. I'm at the PC every day doing rehab. Everyone at the PC has seen me. Everyone knows what's going on. But part of the magic of what we do is we can mess with you and we can make you think this is real and this is real and this is real. And you're never going to know. That's the best thing about Grayson Waller. You're never going to know the, the real me. There's like five people in this world who actually know me. And other than that, you don't know anything. Who are those five people? I'm not giving them away. Come on, Messi. This is a news guy in you. You're going to try and put this on TMZ or something. I'm falling for your games. Uh, do you speak Japanese? Because the time Asuka was on the show and she was speaking Japanese, the video cracked me up because it looks like you genuinely understand what's being said. Of, of course. I've actually been attending classes at Chase University recently. Um, the professor there is very good at Japanese. So I, I, I know enough to, to understand what Asuka was saying. That's amazing. Yeah, because you laughed at one point at, at the joke that was said, and then I thought it was just kind of like a character thing, kind of like pretending you knew what was being said, and then when I saw the subtitle one, I'm like, wait, no, he laughed at her actual joke that she made. Come on, I, I'm, I'm a very intelligent guy, okay? I, I can pretty much speak any language if I need to, enough at least. And that's to go, hey, what's your name? Would you like to go out for dinner and, and things like that, you know? take advantage of that Australian accent when you're in different areas. How's it going, love? Where's the, where, do you know somewhere to eat around here? Bloody hell, I, I don't know, anywhere. It, yeah, it's good. <laughs> uh, how long were you, in your, when you're reading about you, it says you were a history teacher. How long were you a history teacher for? Uh, so I was a teacher, like, uh, eight years all up in the end. It was kind of uh, my side gig wrestling which was very funny you know if you anyone see me on the independence i had bleach blonde hair fake tan like all that type of thing and i'm going in and i'm teaching you your, your kid high school history <laughs> but it was a kind of thing in australia you we can't make a living on an independent level there's maybe three or four guys who can actually do that so pretty much all of us had jobs on the side those type of things and and lucky for me i i'll I wanted to make sure I had something to, to fall back on early on, and especially like a full-time career, just in case, you know, you never know when you get hurt or things go wrong. Do you ever have any old students that are like, dude, like you're killing it or posting about you and stuff? <laughs> I do I do have a few that reach out. Most of them are blocked on Instagram. <laughs> teacher, you know, you don't follow students. So I have a blocked list of students, but there was there was some that were really cool and uh, they'll still reach out to me every now and again. And, and I think in a way, like I used to teach at my old high school too. And I, I think in a way them seeing me and what I'm doing now is kind of inspires them in some ways that, you know, they, they went to the same school I did and, and they can literally do whatever they want if they want to achieve it in life. Yeah. Uh, Piper Niven, she, uh, 
she has a documentary about her when she, from her early start in wrestling, and she was telling me when she was on the show that like they play it at the school that she went to as a kid just to show them that like this kind of thing is possible. That's so cool, and, and I'm, I really hope I get to go home and like go back to that school and kind of give a chat to to all the lads there. Um, for a long time, I hid it, and they didn't know I was a wrestler. And then the day it came out, you know, that was that was probably one of the worst teaching days of my life. Every single student coming, are you a wrestler, sir? Sir, do you wrestle? And I was like, this is the worst. But we got through it, luckily. Uh, I'm going to ask you a couple non-wrestling related questions, uh, piggybacking off of that. Uh, is there one thing that you're currently super into that people might not expect? Ooh. I wouldn't say it's necessarily like things wouldn't expect, but I'm a huge fan of uh, American sports. Basketball. NFL, all those type of things. So, like, my main thing, I love sport documentaries and going down rabbit holes with that type of stuff, and, and that's something that I do. You know, the night before Madison Square Garden, I was watching the game of uh, Reggie Miller against the Knicks when he scored eight points in nine seconds, uh, and that was firing me up to be on the show the next day. So I'm, I'm a huge American sports fan, like, very, very deep into it. I love sports documentaries, and I'm not even like a big sports guy. I focus most of my time on pro wrestling, uh, but I love sports documentaries. They are so inspiring. Like you can, it's so easy to just get fired up and 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 passionate when you're watching one of them. Like, oh, this inspires me. Very much so. And like the night before the Garden Show, I was watching. Uh, there's there's one on YouTube that's basically about Conor McGregor when he fought at Madison Square Garden and he won the lightweight title. So he was he had the two belts. And it was like 1 a.m. in the morning, and I was ready to run through a wall. Like, if they put me in there against Edge right then, that would have been the, the best moment because uh, that, that, that stuff just fires me up seeing other people, you know, succeeding in, in what they're doing. Yeah, it can be some just, like, random sport, too. Like, it doesn't even have to be one of the big ones. I, I, I can always find inspiration in all of them when people, like, just put so much into winning and, and, and making something happen. You're like, oh, yeah, I want to be like that. And, very much, and for mindset stuff, as, as a professional athlete, like, you have to find people with a similar mindset. And, and that's why I, I look at guys like Kobe and Connor, uh, outside of sports like David Goggins, those people who are willing to do whatever it takes, put in that extra effort to make things happen, manifest these situations. Like I, I choose to fill my brain with those type of things, and I think that helps a lot. Are you a big reader? Very much so. As I was both a history and English teacher, so I, I read a lot too, and, and I feel that helps me too just to – you know, take myself out of the, the phone and, and the digital world and, and, and just sit there and actually focus. I think that's, that's much better for my mindset. I've, I, I talked about it on the show recently, but it was uh, I, I saw Arnold Schwarzenegger talking about the way he uses social media and him basically saying that he doesn't even look at his timeline because he's like, I'll get it if I need to through the news or whatever, newspaper, watching news on TV, but that um, he likes to kind of like fill his brain with other stuff instead. And I think that it is healthy to do that. Very much so. And, and like as someone who, you know, social media is a big part of what I do. Uh, I have to be part of it. But I do my best not to, to let myself focus on it too much because as someone who wants to be the best at something, I can't, I can't be letting myself get distracted scrolling on TikTok all day or, or, or reading tweets or anything like that because I think it just, it just enters negative energy into your life. And, and for me, I need to stay motivated. I need to stay positive and focused uh, to get where I want to go. Do you have a hot take that friends or family typically disagree with you on? Hot oh, take that friends, man. My friends, I'm very lucky with my friendship group that it doesn't matter. Like I sold out Madison, I was in a sold out Madison Square Garden, and my two best mates were making fun of me um, uh, for some of the stuff on the show. So 
I was, my, my mates keep me very grounded, which is, which is nice. It doesn't matter what I do or, or all these things. They, they, they make sure I'm, I'm very level-headed, which I probably need at times. What was the thing they were making fun of you for? Oh, it was, I'm pretty sure it was the shirt on the, on the talk show. Usually it's my jeans. Usually the boys will get on me. They're like, oh, is that your girlfriend's jeans and that type of gear? And, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> I will say it's nice to come back and have my real mates, you know, uh, poking fun because it kind of just like reminds me of where I come from type of thing. Uh, who do you think would win in a fight between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg? Bro, Zuck is j- jacked right now. I don't know if you saw the photo. He's training with Is- Israel Adesanya and Volkanovski. If you're training with those blokes, you're going to be a killer. I don't think Elon Musk is ready for what Zuck has. I saw George St. Pierre, though, in, like, well, doing like a press conference thing, because I thought the same thing. I'm like, Zuck's handling business over here. He's clearly training often. He's doing his thing. He's talking to MMA fighters all the time on threads now. He's He's... he's He's in that MMA world. But then I saw George St. Pierre the other day talking about how he recently trained with Elon Musk and that Elon Musk told him that he has a background in judo. And I was like, well, that you don't believe it? Well, I just think, either way, hands down, it's going to be the worst fight in combat sports history. Like, it is going to be terrible. Just these two pale old white guys just fumbling around on each other. Like... All the lead-up to it would be fantastic. All the promo packages and all that's going to be great. And then the bell's going to ring and everyone is just going to laugh because I, I, I don't know how real a fight's going to be. I, I would love to watch it, though, because I, like I like some of those ones that are just absolute train wrecks. Like, I watch those, uh, those rough and rowdies that, that Barstool does sometimes, and they're so funny just to see two complete amateurs just trying their best and it's just completely failing. So at least it'd be billionaires. Bro, uh, I was at the PC for two years, lad. I've seen those those fights a lot of times, okay? And they're they're just as enjoyable. To be fair, first ever matches, it's okay. No, no, no shame. But I've seen some absolute stinkers and it's great. I love it sometimes. Yeah, I I I think it would definitely make a lot of money on pay-per-view, but it's not there's no way it's actually gonna happen. There, there's no way. No, because what? They don't need the money. So why are they gonna do it? That's exactly why. I see it and I go. Like most times, it's like a, two celebrities or one needs the money or both of them need the money or whatever. But these guys are like super billionaires who are not focused on this whatsoever. No, they just need to go spend some time with their wives and their kids and, and, and just focus on that stuff, I think. I, it would probably be better for everybody if they did that, yes. I don't know if Elon Musk, I don't know. He doesn't seem like he wants to be doing that, though. He's much more focused on like flying to space and stuff. Yeah, and being a full-time troll, it's kind of a, you know, it's a difficult life, balancing both those sides. Um, All right, well, I think I've gotten into the end of the show here. I'm looking through my questions. I believe I've uh, slowly gotten here, but uh, I like to end every episode of the podcast with a segment that I call the finishing move. There we go. Oh, I didn't see you back there. You were hiding. You like all that? Wow. Fancy, right? very impressive. Yeah, I know. I, I, my, I, he's my, <laughs> the guy who's handling the lights, he's wearing all black. So I didn't see him back there. So I was talking really slow, expecting him to run out here. So I'm glad we, we got the lights on time. That was, that was good. The, the perks of having the seventh best talk show in WWE. You lucky <laughs> man. Uh, was your finisher something that you came up with or did someone suggest it to you? That was, that was me. Uh, when I was training at PWA Academy in Australia. Um, I just dove into the ring one day, just like 
having a bit of fun. And I was like, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit fun. That, that could work. Uh, originally, I did it into a, uh, like a flat liner. Um, but over time, I had to switch some things up and, and now it's into a stunner. But that's, that was all me. Uh, what's your least favorite move to be on the receiving end of? <laughs> um, there's, <laughs> there's so many. Um, I took that power bomb from Edge on Friday on the floor. That wasn't fun. But, you know, the answer has to be Brom Breaker Spear. Oh, dude. It's like I, I've been hit hard before. I've been in the ring with with some wild guys who hit very hard. But Bron Breaker's spear is like a different level. Like his intensity from like this far away, that explosive power, man, no fun. Absolutely zero fun. Would not recommend it. And lastly, what's the most memorable time that you've hit your finishing move on someone and why? Oh. I think I think my favorite ever was the deadline match that we did, the Iron Survivor Challenge, where I entered and hit a double one on Axiom and JD McDonough and got a double pin, and all of a sudden, within five seconds, I was up two nil on the rest, uh, the rest of the field. That that was a lot of fun because that that NXT crowd is small, but they they love it and it's wild and it's crazy. And the atmosphere that night was was cool. Um, so kind of doing that as a bit of a surprise. That 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 was definitely the number one. Well, dude, I really appreciate you giving me this time. Uh, I know you're struggling with the ladies with that Australian accent, so I wish you good luck in the future with the women and taking advantage of the Australian accent. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see your progression on the main roster. Like, you're really killing it. I really think that the sky is the limit for you, and, and uh, just keep it up, dude. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, I'm still looking for a green card. I would love to stay here, so... Ladies, if seven or above, I'm happy to settle for a little bit, you know, go down a few points just to, to, to stay. That would, that would be fantastic. But uh, just so you know, lad, this is just the beginning of the Grayson Waller effect. If you, if you think things are good now, just, just wait till you see where they are in a year. Hell yeah. Can't wait, dude. Appreciate you giving me the time today. Peace. All right, that was my conversation with Grayson Waller. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, I do a lot of these. I've done over 100 episodes. And I think that that is the first one who has busted my balls the most on here. But I loved it, man. And he's such a funny guy. He's such an entertaining person. And he is just killing it on SmackDown. So I'm, I'm glad we finally got him on here. So you guys, so that we could all learn more about the person off camera. Now, before I get off of camera, I got to do a little bit of housekeeping here. Make sure you're following WWE on Fox on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and of course, Threads. We're on all of them. So make sure you're following us on all of those platforms to stay up to date with everything that we're doing here. And also, if you're watching on camera, if you're watching the YouTube version of this, do me a favor. Go subscribe to the Add a Character podcast feed. Pick up your phone. Subscribe to the podcast feed. That way, we move up the charts. That way, you're downloading all the episodes, and you never miss a conversation of out of character. And if you're listening to the podcast feed already, I appreciate it. Do me a solid and also go subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find clips from Ron Smackdown. It's where you can find this show in full every week. There's YouTube shorts from this show. There's YouTube shorts in general. There's a community tab. It's popping. Go subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been another episode of Out of Character.